0: Good morning, everyone. I am so glad you're here. And it's a joy to be with you this morning. If you're a Cove, hey, glad you're here too. And uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 18. And in a moment, we're gonna start in verse 21. And we've been walking through Matthew 18 the last couple months, and we've seen this common theme of the one over and over and over. We've seen how Jesus... Says, hey, don't cause a little one to stumble. So he's he's talking about children and caring for children. We've seen how the shepherd, the good shepherd, would leave the ninety-nine and go after the one who had gone astray. We see that if one person sins against us, we're supposed to go to them, confront them, and hope for restoration. But it's interesting because what Jesus is teaching here in this passage up to this point was countercultural. In Jesus's day and age, children were not valued. They weren't valued at all. In Jesus' day and age, a good shepherd might leave 99 and go after one, but he might also say, okay, that's just one sheep. Like it can die, it will be okay. There's also an idea that a lot of people, when someone sinned against them, they wouldn't go deal with it. They would just stuff it away and forget about it. But what I love is this, that Jesus doesn't just end this teaching with this idea of confrontation. No, he actually offers us hope. He says, there's a better way. There's a pathway that will help our lives and heal our hearts. And that's the pathway to forgiveness. You know, when you read Jesus's teaching on forgiveness and when you read his ideas, it can almost feel a little reckless. The story Jesus tells in this passage is absurd. And that is the point. To follow Jesus, to be a Christian is to actually live different than the rest of the world especially when it comes to forgiveness. I want you to know this, forgiveness changes you. Like it really does. If you allow forgiveness to touch your heart and your life and your soul, it will change everything about you and it will change the people who receive it from you. And I'll also say this, that there's no way in the 30 minutes we have this morning that I can touch on every single thing that the Bible says about forgiveness. You may leave this room and you say, well, you didn't really address my issue. You don't know my pain. You don't understand my situation. And you're right, I don't know every single person in this room's situation, but I do believe what Jesus offers here is really hopeful and really helpful. Not only do we have a chance to restore a a broken relationship today, but we also get to see some healing in our soul. And my hope for you this morning, as you hear these words from Jesus, is that you can truly learn what forgiveness from the heart looks like, and you can experience a newfound freedom that only forgiveness brings. Let's read Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77. So we'll just kind of pause there real quick. Peter asked a really interesting question, right? He goes up to Jesus and says, there has to be a limit, right? Like if someone keeps doing the same thing over and over, how often should I forgive him? And he's like, I've got an idea. Seven times sounds perfect. And in some ways, Peter's not really asking the question. Most likely, he just wants everyone to know how big his heart is. He wants everyone to know like, hey, look, I've arrived. I think I really understand Jesus' teaching at this point. I mean, in every way, Jesus has been elevating the Old Testament teaching. He says, hey, not only should you not murder, but don't even have hate in your heart. He says, not only should you not commit adultery, but don't have lust in your heart. So Peter kind of pauses Jesus because the rabbis have been teaching forgive up to three times. And Peter's like, not only should you forgive three times, but how about seven times? He said, Jesus, I understand what you're saying. And Jesus looks at Peter probably with just great compassion. He says, I say to you 77 times. Some of your translations might say 70 times seven. And if you love math in this room, that's great, um, but <laughs> like you're also like, oh, so that, like I can do that math. But Jesus doesn't want you to do that math because what He's doing is saying this is more than you think, and that's why Jesus tells the story next to illustrate how often we should forgive. Matthew eighteen verse twenty three. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and he forgave his debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me for I will pay you. He refused and he went and he put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants heard what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they reported all that had taken place to the master. The master summoned this man back to him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all your debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. 2,000 years years later, we read this story and we can miss how shocking it is. You know, we see this this idea that he owed a a debt of 10,000 talents and we can think, "Ah, what's that, like $10,000? And while that's a lot, you may be thinking, maybe the master could tell him about Dave Ramsey, right? Like that might help. Or maybe the guy could get a part-time job selling fish and bread to people who missed Jesus's miracle. Maybe he could have a garage sale. Maybe that's how he could pay the king back. But there's more than that. Most people estimate 10,000 talents is equal to around $600 million in today's money. This is meant to shock us. This is in some ways meant to be comical and almost absurd. And I think until we view it through this kind of lens, $600 million, we will never get the point of what Jesus is saying. Think about the weight of that. Some of you, you have been in debt in your life. Maybe you're in debt right now. And you know the pain that can be. You know the burden that can come with. You know what it can be like to owe someone that. But with that kind of debt, I think most of us will agree a garage sale or a part-time job is not gonna fix the problem. But then it gets even more absurd, right? Like we've already seen some absurdity, but it gets more absurd. The servant goes to the master and is about, he's about to be thrown in jail. What does he do? He falls to his knees and he says these words, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. This man is living in a different world, in a different reality. You get it, right? Like if someone owed you $600 million and they fell on their knees, and that's probably the right place to be at that point, And they just say, hey, I'm gonna get there. Like, trust me, like you're like, there's no way. Like this debt is insurmountable. And Before we look at the king's response, I think there's some fair questions to ask and this is it. How in the world did this guy get this kind of debt? Like, how is this even possible? I think there's probably a very small percentage of people in this time in history who could even get someone to loan them that kind of money. No one in Jesus's day could even fathom owing someone that much money. And that's the point. There's something else here too that you don't wanna miss. It says something not only on how this guy assumed this debt, but why did the king allow him to assume this debt? What kind of generosity was this? Because the king knew what was coming. The king knew how good his heart would be towards this guy. And the king sees his situation. He has compassion. He has mercy. He has pity. And then, I'm using this word a lot, but I don't want you to miss it. Something even more absurd happens. The king forgives his debt. I mean, this is shocking. In other words, the king absorbs the debt. Whatever this guy owned, the king says, I'll take it. And this story is meant to point every single one of us to the heart of the gospel. It's meant to help every single person who hears this story to think about the debt that they owe to God and how we can never pay it. And how when we were hopeless, like this person in the story, sometimes we are tempted to do this. We're, we're tempted to think, God, would you just have patience with me? But like, give me more time, I'll make it right. All the wrong I've done, all the people I've hurt, all the mistakes I've made, all the shame I feel, God, I'll fix it. Be patient with me. I'll pay you back. Some of us, we live in this trap where we think I'll be better, I'll sin less, I'll read my Bible more, I'll give more money, I'll pay you back for everything you've given me. Every hurt I've done to you, God, I will make it right. And I think in the same way the King has compassion on us. He saw us when we were far away, when we were trying our best to earn our way back to him. And he has compassion on us because whatever we thought we owed God, it was more. And it was more than we could ever pay. Tim Keller has often been quoted as saying this, that, that our situation in life is far worse than we think it is. Like no matter how bad you think your sin is and how much you feel separated from God, it's worse than that. But friends, God loves you. Like God loves you and he demonstrates his love for you that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. In other words, while we were at our worst, Jesus didn't say, hey, clean it up a little work a little harder, go to church a little more. And when you become a person worth dying for, then I'll die for you. No, he looked at us when we were in our worst state and he went to the cross for us and he paid the debt we could never pay. That is good news. And some of you need to hear this because before you can experience forgiveness and before you can forgive others, you gotta believe that God loves you. Like if you don't believe that you are worth being loved by God, you will never move forward on this pathway to forgiveness. You are more loved than you can imagine. One writer said, when we get to heaven and God says, why should I let you in? The common answer is because I believed in Jesus, right? This great answer. But Maybe even more profound answer to show our belief is this. That'd be because I believe that Jesus loved me. I accepted his love on my behalf. I mean, this is the kind of forgiveness the king showed to that man that day who owed $600 million. And probably most of us would think, okay, we know how the story goes, right? This guy is forgiven $600 million and what does he do? He goes out and he just forgives everyone. He looks at him and says, you're forgiven. you're forgiven. It's like Oprah, right? Like everyone gets forgiveness. But that's not what happened. Something even more wild is the next part of the story. The next guy meets this guy who owes him a hundred denarii, maybe $6,000, about four months pay. And the guy does the same thing. He falls on his knees and he says, have patience with me. I'll pay you back. And he probably could. In four months or maybe even a year, he could pay this guy back. His debt was small. And the man looks at him and Jesus doesn't want anyone to miss this. He begins to choke him and he throws him in jail. This is shocking. This is one of those things like if you were on your podcast, it would be a Dateline episode, okay? It'd be like a true crime podcast. It'd be something like this. Tonight on Dateline, we tell the story of a man who was forgiven $600 million and how he choked a man who owned him $6,000. This season, tune in to find out why and how, right? Like, that's silly, and that's just not a great joke, but like, go with me, okay? (laughs) Because I'm trying to get you to see how ridiculous this is. Because I believe this the servant hadn't allowed forgiveness that he had experienced to get to the deepest parts of his heart. He was offered forgiveness, but he didn't really experience all the benefits. And because of this, the master calls him back and says, what you've done is wicked. And he delivers him to the jailers, which is also pretty profound. This guy ends up in jail because he wouldn't forgive. There is a lot of things this passage is teaching us, but one thing I would say definitely is teaching us is this, that when we fail to forgive, we end up in our own prison cell that we fail to forgive, we end up in a jail that we make for ourselves and we stay there. And it's lonely and it's quiet and it's scary. Tim Keller wrote a book on forgiveness. And in this book, he kind of illustrates this point. You'll see it on the screens. Forgiveness is granted, often a good while before it is felt, not felt before it is granted. It is a promise to not exact the price of sin from the person who hurt you. It is likely you will always thought, well, I have to feel it before I grant it. I have to start feeling less angry before I start to not hold them liable. If you want to feel it before you grant it, you'll never grant it. Don't, I that has stuck with me all day. Like if it's a requirement to feel it before you grant it, it'll never happen. You'll be in an angry prison. When we fail to forgive, we end up suffering just as much as the person that we don't forgive. And if not, more than that person. And Jesus ends this teaching, say, he kind of says, the same is gonna be true for you if you fail to forgive from the heart. And as we've walked through Matthew's gospel, this theme of forgiveness has been weaving through. When the disciples come to him and say, Father, or like Jesus teach us to pray, he prays a prayer that we would consider the Lord's prayer. And there's a line in there and I'll show it to you. It's Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And depending on what kind of faith background you grew up in, or if you played sports growing up, this may be a line that you have said so often. In some ways, this is a prayer of aspiration, but it is scary to think that this could be a reality. What Jesus is not teaching through the Lord's is he's not teaching in order to earn God's forgiveness, you must forgive. No, here's what he's teaching all throughout Matthew, all throughout scripture, to be a Christian is to forgive. Like that's it. It's the idea that if we've really experienced God's forgiveness, if we really believe that our debt was insurmountable, if we really believe that we were much far off, off than we thought we were, the only option as a Christian we have is to forgive. It's the idea as we are experiencing God's forgiveness, we forgive others. Example Ross used years ago, but it's been helpful for me this week as I've thought about this, is what Jesus is saying here can be kind of like breathing, right? In order to breathe, I think you On the most basic level, you do two things. You inhale and you exhale. What happens if you inhale and you never exhale? You die. Like eventually that's where it comes. You suffocate. And I thought about having a contest in here to see who could hold their breath the longest. But then I thought about the middle school boy who would take it too far, okay? And then our nurses and security team would have a whole new day but I would just offer you this. It's the same way with forgiveness. If you experience forgiveness, but you don't offer it, you don't exhale, your soul is dying. It's doing more damage than we know. To be a living Christian is to breathe forgiveness in and to breathe out forgiveness. And I think when we forgive from the heart, like real forgiveness, we are declaring something true about God. You know, there are many people who would not say they are Christians, and they would wonder why should I be a Christian? Like, what would be the point of being a Christian? And I think when we forgive others, we give them something. We say, "Oh no, we have a God who forgives." There are people who think there's no way I could become a Christian because I you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I am. You don't know how bad it is. And when you forgive, you are declaring that you have a God who forgives. But not only are you saying something about God, you are saying something about yourself. You're saying, I've been forgiven. My identity is no longer sinner, right? It's actually someone who's forgiven, who's a child of the King, who's a son and daughter. My identity is rooted in Christ. And you're saying something about the cross. You know, when we forgive, we're not just stuffing resentment. We're not just not dealing with the situation. And friends, that's probably where I like to go, okay? Like sometimes I'm like, maybe I could just forget about this. Maybe I could just stuff this deep down inside. Now, when we forgive, we're releasing that person. As we release that person, we experience the own healing of our souls and our heart. I've enjoyed walking through Matthew's gospel together. Something pretty amazing has been all these Physical healings, right? The blind can see. The deaf can hear. The mute can speak. The woman sick for 12 years touches the hem of the garment and she's healed. The dead are raised. Miracle after miracle after miracle. It is inspirational. But there's a miracle early on in Matthew's gospel that's fascinating. Four friends bring their friend on the bed mat. If you're not familiar with the story, he's paralyzed. And they have to carve a hole in the roof and they drop him, the scripture says, right in front of Jesus. A man helpless. A man who can't really do anything. A man, if he's sinned or hurt other people, has no ability to even go to them. Jesus sees him and the first words out of Jesus's mouth in that passage are, son your sins are forgiven because Jesus knows this, more than physical healing, our souls need to be healed. Our greatest need is not to have all the things in our life we think we need, right? Our greatest need is not to have that disease or that problem just fixed by Jesus. No, our greatest need is to experience forgiveness. How wonderful it is and how true it is when we experience forgiveness, a healing takes place. I long for that for every person hearing this message today. That if you've never experienced God's forgiveness, that today you would, that today you would turn from your sin, that you would ask God to forgive you and that you would rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross on your behalf, that you would see that he absorbed the debt that you could never pay. Like that is good news. And his new life will become your life. I remember when I was 15 years old and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe this is similar to your experience. So much guilt, so much shame weighing down on my life. But when I called on the name of the Lord to save me, you know what he did? He saved me. And I think one of the things I'm still trying to comprehend is not only did he save me, he forgave me. Wow, that weight was lifted off. As I looked to the cross, the weight that held me down was thrown off. And some of you, you've forgotten how sweet that was. Maybe the reason you have a hard time forgiving is because you forgot just how far you gone you were or you didn't believe you were that far gone to begin with. But if you think back to your salvation today, if you say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, Without you, I had no chance of being forgiven. That begins to change things. Some of us just need the Lord to restore to us the joy of our salvation. And some of you, you've been trying to pay this debt back to God for a long time. Maybe it's a debt to God. Maybe it's a debt to others. Maybe there's something in your life that has caused so much shame, so much guilt, so much pain. It is crushing your very soul and you are exhausted as you come to church this morning. We think, do I need to give something more? maybe there's something more I could give, but I'll say this, what more could you really give than what Christ has already given for us? Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. For some of you, you've done that already. You experienced the sweetness of forgiveness, but for others along the way, your sin or someone else's sin against you has caused a rift in, horror, in horizontal relationships. and In some way, you feel imprisoned by unforgiveness this morning. You feel like the pain that you are walking through, that backpack is back on you and it's heavier than ever. And the only place I can take you is the cross. Maybe you've inhaled forgiveness, but you've been kind of holding on to that and you can't exhale and you are slowly dying. And maybe it's been a long time. And let me say this because I don't want someone to to misunderstand. Forgiveness is not enabling, okay? Like if someone has sinned against you, that is real and that is wrong. But if you are holding on to that, it puts you in a place it never should. Because to actually forgive the person who's hurt you, To forgive that parent who hurt you, whether they're alive or dead. To your, your spouse, even your ex-spouse, the child, the friend, the enemy. You know what it does? It leaves you fragile. Whew. And we don't like that feeling. But can I tell you this? Trust God with that person. You just put it at the cross. You just bring it to the cross. And in your fragile state, here's what I promise you, that Jesus begins to repair you and begins to make you a masterpiece, as Ephesians 2 says, for his good works. I'd encourage you to come back to the cross with even this because the cross is level ground for all of us. If you think you're better than somebody, just go to the cross and remember Jesus died for you too. He did. He did. It's the place where we're all in the same place, the place where our greatest need is paid for. And the cross doesn't just forgive our indebtedness to God. Like that's a true reality, but it also has our potential to forgive our indebtedness to one another. It is the only way by the power of the cross that you are ever gonna be able to forgive someone. To resent, to be angry, isn't like resentment and bitterness. Like that's normal, to forgive is supernatural. And I know this because I've thought this. Sometimes we think this person has hurt me so bad, they owe me more. Have you ever thought that? They've hurt me so bad, they owe me more. I've thought that from the time I became a Christian in high school to now. I can remember in high school, a girl broke my heart and it seems silly right now, like I was in high school, right? But if you're in high school, maybe you know this feeling. And I held on to that for the rest of the semester. And I told her, here's how you'll pay. I won't talk to you for the rest of the semester. I was a real good Christian, right? Not at all. And that buried her and buried me. And finally I had to come to her and say, I'm sorry. And I release you. I've wanted to punish people for what they've done to me or my family because it was so bad, so wicked. I thought maybe one day they'll pay it off, but it'll take a lifetime to get it right. And I get it, right? The pain of sin is very real. It still hurts. It was wrong. I'm not downplaying what's happened in your life. I've experienced those things. And for some of you, even thinking of those things or voicing those things is a really scary place to go. But there's a fair question. Like what more do they need to give? something more than what Jesus did on the cross. Even our smallest debts are to be understood with a greater sacrifice. And because the cross covers all indebtedness, we can trust what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verses 22 and 23. So if you're offering a gift at your altar, and then you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer the gift. It's this idea of abandoning positions. It's this idea of climbing down from your rightful place. Think about what Jesus is doing here. He's painting a picture of someone who traveled about three days and they brought their, they purchased their sacrifice and they brought it to the temple to make a sacrifice and offering to God, to experience God's love and His grace and His gentleness like never before. And Jesus says, "Leave the animal." And like I'm sure the audience laughed at that point. Like that's a weird sight. God will take care of the sacrifice. Go home, repair the relationship. And it's a long time. It would have been at least a week's round journey. What Jesus is saying is this: He's saying the relationship is more important than the offering. To be reconciled is better than worship. It's better than the service. It's better than the psalms. It's better than the tithe and offering. And I know this, the forgiveness is an event, but it's also a process. But on that road to forgiveness, here's what happens. Our souls get the healing we need. We ask the question, is it really possible to be reconciled with other people? Jesus says it is. Follow-up question, is it really important? Jesus makes a point to say it is. Colossians 3.13 says this, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness restores relationships and forgiveness heals you. I've experienced this so many times in my life. Most recently in the last year, I had something like this happen. I had a great night with friends and we were enjoying TV shows and laughter and games and food. And man, it's just great. It was a Saturday night in the last year and everyone went their own way. Came to church, worshiped, gave my offering, served the Lord. It was a great day. That night, went on a walk with my wife, I was feeling good. And then that night at this church, one of my friends came to me and they looked at me and they said, you really hurt me last night. And I was surprised. I honestly thought they were joking because, and I think this is why I thought they were joking. We just don't do that. Even though the Bible says, hey, this is what you should do. A lot of times we're just like, well, I'm kind of done with that person. So I'll slowly move away from them. But they moved towards us. And all I needed to do was, I didn't fall on my knees, but I just say, have pity on me. And need you forgive me. And the good news is they did not choke me in that moment, right? What they did is they forgave me. But then I had to trust them. That was hard too. Because I was like, is this gonna be one of those stories that I tell down the road when someone's like, oh, aren't you friends with that person? I'm like, yeah. Like, when'd you see them? It was like six years ago, right? Like, Like, that's what unforgiveness does. So I even called their spouse later that week. I was like, are we good? Do we need some time? Do we need some distance? And this is what they said. No, I don't want less. We don't want less time with you. We want more time. Man, we're enjoying meals together soon after that. That's the sweetness of forgiveness. And something else I would say is this, that I was so grateful they forgave me, but that brought a healing to my soul that I didn't even know I needed The Lord touched my heart in places I didn't even realize I needed. Because when you forgive, you're not earning God's forgiveness. They weren't earning God's forgiveness in that moment, but you're declaring your loyalty to Jesus and his kingdom. If Christianity is about anything, it's about forgiveness. And maybe you're longing for that person to come to you. You just want them to say you're sorry or they're sorry. You just want that moment. You're like, don't they know? Don't let really know how wrong it was or how wicked it was. Why won't they just come to me and make it right? But here's hope. Whatever thing you're waiting for that other person to do, the cross can cover that too. Forgiveness is not denying our pain. Forgiveness is not enabling someone to continue to sin against us. And forgiveness is not forgetting. Years ago, I was walking. I'll, I'll tell you how I wrote it in here and then I'll tell you what really happened. I was walking with a friend, so now I'll backtrack. I was going to counseling, okay? Like you need to hear that. Because some of you need help with this. And even your shame won't let you ask for it. I was seeing a counselor and we were working through unforgiveness. This was about six years ago. And as I sit in their office, they say, okay, I wanna help you through this. I wanna help you know what it means to forgive from the heart. I want you to go home, wait for the kids to be gone, Wait for your wife to be gone, get quiet before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to show you anyone that you haven't forgiven and that you're holding resentment and bitterness to. That sounds like a horrible day, right? But I did it and it was surprising. The list was longer than I wanted it to be. There were things that I held onto for decades And then they said to do this and gave me a sheet of paper because they wanted me to feel the freedom that forgiveness brings. They wanted me to experience healing. I was ready for it. And this is the prayer I prayed. And if you have the Bible app, like it'll be in there. But this is what they told me to do. Think of every one of those situations and say this, dear Jesus, I forgive person's name for this sin. I've held on to hurt, resentment and bitterness I confessed I tried to make them pay. That was hard for what they've done to me. I now realize I've been held in a prison of bitterness because of it, Lord Jesus. I choose not to hold my resentment any longer. I thank you for setting me free from bondage and bitterness. I relinquish my right to seek revenge and I ask you to heal my damaged emotions. Friend, that kind of prayer is much safer with Jesus and the people who have hurt us are much safer at the foot of the cross than they are with us. And so are we. And then this is the end of the prayer and it was really hard to pray. I now ask you to bless blank in your name, amen. I did it with every person on that list, every situation. After a few hours of tears, there was healing in my soul. I was free. And I want that for every person in this room. No longer was I in a prison of unforgiveness, but it was transformative. And that's my hope for you. Maybe I'll have one more thing for you this morning as you're hearing this. Because maybe you've done pretty good at forgiving other people. Maybe you believe God's forgiving you, but the person's name in that blank is your own name. And you've gotta forgive yourself. You gotta say, God, I'm no longer holding myself for this because others have forgiven me and Lord, you've forgiven me. And I'm ready to move forward with you. And you'll stop walking in guilt and shame. And what we'll all do when we leave here is we will exhale forgiveness. Let's pray. Josh and the worship team come. Just ask a couple questions. Have you experienced God's forgiveness? Have you ever experienced it? And if you haven't, would you ask him to do so today? Would you call on the name of the Lord to save you? Would you give your life to him? And before we sing, maybe another good question to ask, is there someone else you need to ask for forgiveness from? Maybe there's someone you know you've hurt and you've wronged. And instead of actually singing a song about praise and singing a song about not offering God something that hasn't cost me anything, you would go make it right or you would commit to making it right. If God brings someone to mind, pray for the courage to ask for forgiveness today. Oh, Lord, give courage to us. Help us believe the gospel is real and that you're real. And then the last question, is there someone you need to forgive? Chances are you already know, all through the sermon, their mind raced through your head. And you like, if you're honest, you really want them to pay, you leave that to the Lord. do it. Don't wait. Forgive. It may be a long, long road, and you may need help. But the journey will be worth it. Jesus, we ask the same question Peter asks. How many times should we forgive? Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you pray for the person in this room who's allowing bitterness to hold them in prison, that today they would experience the freedom of forgiveness. Lord, I pray for the person in this room who has been sinned against in unimaginable ways, Lord, that you would come to them. And once again, they would know what happened to them was not okay. I pray you would make it right. I pray each one of us would begin to feel the freedom that only forgiveness brings. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. In your name we pray, amen.